Good morning. I'm Donna Quinn, and for the next half hour, you'll be listening to Talk of Our Towns. This starts Pledge Drive. To Pledge Drive starts today. And our public affairs programs are ways that we connect with our communities, that we create the tribe where we make a difference with each other. We take care of each other. And so I hope that you will call in. We do have a show goal. We have um, a, um, a challenge grant of $75. Um, and from, oh, Lynn Marie. Thank you so much, Lynn Marie. And um, so we really hope that even though you'll be listening to this program, which I um, trust will be of interest to you today, um, I think it's going to be a great show. Um, I also hope that you will have an opportunity to um, go online or call in. And we especially need new members. So if you want to give a gift uh, to someone, you can give them a membership in this great community of Coast Community Radio. So thank you so much for doing that. The number here is 503-325-0010. That's 503-325-0010. And now, talk of our towns. And I'm sitting across from the lovely Marianne Monson. Marianne Monson is uh, she's a professor. She teaches English at Clatsop Community College. She is the president of the Writers Guild. She established that organization. It's a literary nonprofit. And she has a brand new book out. She's an author of several books. Her brand new book is called Her Quiet Revolution, a novel of Martha Hughes Cannon, frontier doctor and first female state senator. Good morning, Marianne. Good morning, Donna. So happy you're here today. Thank you. It's a pleasure. And you are also actually holding something on your lap. You're holding your book and you're holding something else. This is a little doll that we made, and it's um, a doll that represents Maddie, which is which was Martha Hughes Cannon's nickname. So she went by Maddie. So this is a little Maddie doll. <laughs> yes, and you're actually, if someone calls <clears throat> in during the program, they can actually... Yep, I think we're doing it as a giveaway with the book. So we okay. have both of them together. So this is a book. special thing. What a great opportunity to inspire um, young women everywhere. Um, you can get the book, the Quiet, Her Quiet Revolution, and you can get Maddie, the doll that goes with it. Um, she's charming. So, yeah. um, again, please call us, 503-325-0010. All right, Mary Ann, there may be some folks here in our community and beyond who are not familiar with you and your story, so please tell us a bit about yourself. Sure, thank you. Um, so I grew up in the Chicago area and wanted to be a writer from a really young age. I have stacks of notebooks and, like, purple sparkly pens, you know, that say that. And I started writing stories um, from a very young age, and that was really always my goal. Um, I made my way to Oregon uh, by way of Lewis and Clark College, so I did my senior year there, and I thought I'd come check it out for a year or two, and here we are <laughs> um, a, a couple decades later. So, um, yes, yeah, so I really fell in love with the Northwest and spent about 20 years in the Portland area before I made my way to Astoria a few years ago, and I absolutely love this community. So, yeah, and um, always have been writing. I have two kids. Um, I really credit my first son uh, for uh, being such a great napper. So my first book was really, I'd always wanted to be a writer, but, you know, was very intimidated. I think a lot of people get, um, <clears throat> well, we hear these things like, how competitive the arts are and how you can't really support yourself. And so, you know, I, I was really, I guess, surrounded with a lot of those messages. But um, I majored in English Lit, and then I started working at a publishing house in Portland. So that was how I made my way into the industry. 
<clears throat> but I, I wrote my first book while my son was napping, so I appreciate him doing that. <laughs> and your books, let's talk a little <clears throat> bit about your yeah. books. There's kind of a thread mm-hmm. uh, throughout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I um, I started off working at a children's publisher. So my first books are children's lit. Um, I do, I love books for children. And actually, I think my writing has sort of grown up with my children. Um, so I wrote picture books when they were younger and then moved on to chapter books and uh, but historical novels were always my love. I started my first historical novel when I was 15 years old. So I did not finish it. It was terrible. It was set in France and I'd never been there. <laughs> but um, even then, I absolutely loved the research. I, you know, in those days, we didn't have um, online resources. So I spent long periods of time reading in my parents' encyclopedias about the kinds of you know, flora and fauna that live in northern France. <laughs> so, so yeah, that, that was really, uh, I just, I loved historical fiction. I loved the ability of adept writers of that genre to create um, a fictional narrative that is set against a historical backdrop. So that melding of the creative with the real was particularly appealing to me. And um, my last few books have I've uh, have been nonfiction. So Frontier Grid about 12 amazing pioneer women, and then The Women of the Blue and Gray, which was about the women of the Civil War. So those were both nonfiction projects, which I also really enjoy. But it's nice to be back to my first love, which is historical fiction. Well, you had to do a lot of research for your other books. Yes. And you probably also, you had to do research for this, too. Well, in many ways, I would say historical fiction requires more research than a nonfiction. People are surprised to hear that a lot of times. But um, I would say the research for a novel is, uh, it's harder to find the resources because you're looking for these random details like what is it like to run through a train station while holding a baby and wearing a corset you know like (laughs) that's a little bit more difficult to um (laughs) to quantify for a researchable question (laughs) and so what sparks your ideas um to begin a book to say oh I have an idea for a new book yeah, it's, usually it's um, it's story, you know. So with with this book, with her Quiet Revolution, Martha Hughes Cannon is a woman that I had written about in Frontier Grit. So in 2016, um, I published a book that was about twelve amazing pioneer women. These were mini biographies, and um, and so just about really remarkable pioneer women who had been sort of overlooked by history for the most part. So probably didn't have a lot of name recognition, but I felt had really remarkable stories. So when the 100th anniversary of women's suffrage with the passage of the 19th Amendment in 1920, when we were looking ahead to that, my editor uh, invited me to write a whole novel based on the life of Martha Hughes Cannon, because I'd already done a lot of research about her for Frontier Grit. So I was already really familiar with the story um, and the specific challenges around researching her. Um, and then they wanted to publish it for as part of the 100th anniversary because Martha played a significant but but less well-known role in the suffrage fight. So, yeah. And a lot, again, Martha Hughes Cannon, she was phenomenal and remarkable for mm. several things. Mm-hmm. And you want to talk a little bit about her because we've just been listening to the Bioneers yeah. and 
why don't we kind of tie some of that together? Yeah, I feel like there are actually quite a few parallels with Martha's story and what I was particularly trying to develop with her story. So Martha was born in Wales, in Llandudno, Wales. It's a little Victorian seaside town on the northern coast of Wales, where I had the opportunity to go as part of a research grant from Clatsop Community College, which I really appreciate. Um, So she was born there. And when she was about four years old, her parents converted to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, um, what we is commonly called the Mormon Church. And uh, so she emigrated. And so they crossed the ocean. They came um, and settled in New York for a while where her mother worked in a dressmaking factory. And eventually they saved up the money to head west in the early days of the Civil War. The Civil War had just broken out. And so on the same train that carried them to the pioneering outposts, uh, they were joined by a number of Union soldiers. So Martha eventually settled in Utah. And uh, in 1870, Brigham Young and um, Eliza R. Snow, who was the president of the women's organization, they put out a call for women to be educated and go east and to be trained as doctors because they were really alarmed by the number of women dying in childbirth. And so they specifically decided to financially support any women who were interested in acquiring this training. And Martha, from a really young age, had been very interested in that. She'd expressed interest in being a doctor. And although her mother wasn't entirely supportive, her stepfather really was. And then she was lucky to have some mentors along the way, specifically Emmeline B. Wells, who was an editor for decades of the incredible women's newspaper, The Women's Exponent. It's a lot like the New North West that Abigail Scott Dunaway uh, ran for us in Portland here. So really, those were the two premier women's newspapers on on the western side of the United States uh, during that time period. And um, in order to earn money for school, Martha set type for the women's exponent. So that was one of her first jobs. And it was a wonderful, basically, exposure to feminism, to this incredible feminist role model in Emmeline B. Wells. So the connection back to the previous show is really that um, many people aren't aware of this, but Mormonism, especially at that stage, uh, it had one of the few, it was one of the few Christian religions to have a very strong understanding and awareness or emphasis on the feminine divine. Um, that's been sort of like moved away from in the last few decades within the religion, but it's really been rediscovered by modern Mormon feminists. But it was there from the very beginning. It's actually enshrined in some of the hymns. It talks about our Heavenly Mother. And so, and she is, was basically, um, you know, a, the like a goddess in her own right and was seen as part of that. And so you also have within this early Mormonism, you have um, this incredible healing culture that springs up among the women. And especially as they're traveling west across the plains, Eliza R. Snow, we have her journals of those periods. And every night at the end of breaking camp, these women would go from tent to tent and together they would they would heal. And, and they would do it in like kind of a spiritual, you know, laying on of hands and blessing, invoking divine power 
to, to heal, but it was basically seen as women had the right to stand at the gates of life and death. So um, they certainly, you know, and they had a confinement ritual. That was what it was called for, for women about to give birth. So it was basically a blessing given by women surrounding a, a mother who was about to give birth and just invoking the power of God, male and female, um, to bless and protect her child and to protect her. So, did they also use herbs too? Or was yeah, this, yeah, okay. yeah, lots yes. of herbs. Yeah, of a course. lot of right. herbs, native plants. Yeah. But in the book, I chose to tie that back to this previous history in Wales because we know that Martha's grandmother was, um, well, grandfather was a gardener, and so um, you know the idea that the. Um, garden is a poor person's apothecary. So, um, and, and in Wales, there were these cunning women that were basically village healers that used herbs. And, um, and there's one in the town that Martha's ancestors are from uh, called Gwenverch Ellis. And in the 1500s, she was accused of witchcraft and put to death. And so I wanted to connect this Martha's role as a healer on the frontier in Utah to this long tradition of Welsh cunning women, um, you know, who who did have a strong tradition of healing um, and connection to the feminine divine, especially through the Celtic origins going back and back and back. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. If you have just tuned in, you're listening to Talk of Our Towns. We are in our pledge drive. This is the first day of our pledge drive. And we have a challenge grant today from Lynn Marie, and we would love to make that. So please take a moment to call us at 503-325-0010 so we can make our show goal. Because our public affairs programs help you discover people and opportunities and organizations doing important things in our world, right here, our local world, where we can make a difference, where we take care of each other. And essentially, when you become a member of Coast Community Radio, you become part of the tribe. So today, think about joining for yourself or joining for someone else, giving a gift of a membership. And 